0: Welcome to another episode of Stamper Cinema. As always, I am your host. My name is Andrew. Thank you very much for downloading this latest episode. We are inching ever so close to our 100th episode. Now I don't think we're going to get there in this particular season, but that's okay. We are we're, we're we're headed that direction, and I'm I'm appreciative and I'm thankful for all of you that that have helped us record. 80-some-odd episodes, uh, admittedly, I'd still probably be doing this, even if you didn't listen, because I get to talk about movies, and I get to talk to people who like to share their favorite movies. Sometimes I've seen them, sometimes I haven't, like this week's episode. Well, shit, I guess that makes it kind of a natural little segue here, because uh, I'm going to be talking to Bill Cushing here in just a minute, and he's going to be sharing one of his favorite films, Movie that I hadn't seen, an early nineteen eighties movie. My favorite year, starring Peter O'Toole, cousin Larry from Perfect Strangers. Um, I know he has a real name, but I, I can't, I can't see Mark Lynn Baker without thinking of him as cousin Larry uh, from Perfect Strangers, and a multitude of other people. But this is really like the the Peter O'Toole, um, certainly one of my top top favorite actors of all time and grantedly and granted like my favorite films that he did aren't like even as masterpieces like Lawrence of Arabia which I do love but i like peter o'toole in the comedy roles and i like him in the really bad comedy roles like a uh, movie that i mentioned on here before club paradise not a good movie but i love it and i love peter o'toole in it high spirits which um is just a Uh, a ridiculous movie, but with one of the most insane and most random casts you'll ever see assembled. But this episode is not about that. It's to talk about my favorite year. And I'm really excited to have the conversation with Bill. We're going to bring him out here right now to talk about the movie. We're going to find out a little bit about Bill, but why he wanted to speak about this movie. And I'm excited to share the conversation with you. So let's get it going bill again thank you thank you very much for for popping on the podcast how are you doing
1: wow wonderful thank you i'm always happy to talk about movies
0: (laughs) well then you are the right place because that's all i talk about uh except you in our introduction you uh you passed on a, a chapter from something that you had written and i was blown away with just how striking the similarities were uh you yourself a uh, navy guy once upon a time yeah
1: yeah
0: not only that you were a journalist or aspiring journalist in well aspiring in the
1: journalist. yeah, yeah. never quite made it <laughs>
0: That's okay. It actually, it's for the better, I think. <laughs> it's for the better. Um, well, if you wouldn't mind, just for the listeners, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you live, what you do, all that all that fun right. stuff.
1: Well, I'm currently, uh, I'm now in Glendale, California, which I'm assuming is for the duration. Of, you know, uh, I, I don't plan on leaving the state, so, uh, but I'm originally, well... Oh boy. I say I'm from New York because that's basically where I grew up, but I was born in Virginia, raised in New York, Uh, lived all over the place because once I got out of the Navy, I I pretty much stayed with the uh, job of working on ships and just traveled doing that. And then finally, oh God, But when I was 37 or 38, I guess, uh, started school seriously and then got my degrees and ended up uh, finishing up and moved to California when I met my wife and, and uh, I've been here now for 27 years, 26 years.
0: Not too bad and what do you do these days?
1: Actually semi, semi-retired. Uh, I, I did retire, I, I taught for 26 years uh, college English and I'm still doing it just like one class a semester. Uh, just yeah, it gives me a little extra money and, and Let's me keep my hand. And I I do enjoy teaching. It's like any other job. It's the paperwork that's the drag, and right as long as it's only one class, it's easy enough to handle. So, but yeah, so I'm I'm still teaching, but I'm
0: focusing more on my writing now than anything else. And what are you writing these days?
1: Well, finishing up in that that chapter I sent you is the book I'm finishing now. It's a memoir about my days in the navy, and then later on when I was a like, cab driver and a bartender, you know, I say, mostly working on oil tankers, but doing shipyard work. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's just going to take me right up to where I, uh, right before I start school. And uh,
0: I'm sorry, what school was this?
1: Uh, I actually started a community college uh, in Jacksonville, Florida. Okay, cool. That's, That's where I was living. And then I ended up going to Central Florida for my degree. Went to Goddard in Vermont for my master's. Uh, and then I was actually living in Puerto Rico at the time. That's when I met my wife. Uh I was in Puerto Rico and she said, do you mind moving here? I said, no, yeah, not at all. So
0: <laughs> so a little bit of everywhere, a little Virginia, a little yeah, Vermont, yeah. a little Florida, a little Baltimore, Puerto Rico, Baltimore, now well, California.
1: I lived in the Virgin Island for a while, which is kind of fun. I enjoyed that.
0: Now, how long were you in the Navy? Well, just one hitch, you know, okay. the four years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. yeah. Well, awesome. Well, thank you very much for for sharing a little bit of that story. Now, in our discussions, the the one driving thought, obviously, you had a lot of movies up uh, up in the arsenal. And then there was even a conversation about talking all things 70s, which all about I've got, you know, good uh, list of, I don't know, many, many films that are my my favorite films in the 70s. But we essentially agreed on a movie from the 80s, one that I hadn't seen. And thank you very much for suggesting it. So, if you wouldn't mind, I'll allow you the opportunity to introduce this title.
1: Yeah, well, uh, the movie is my favorite year. And uh, when did it come out? It was 82. Uh, and I've, always, yeah, and like you said, you've never seen it. There's so many people who have never seen this movie. And it, it's one of those comedies. I put on par with like The Odd Couple or mm. uh, those types of comedies. Uh, I don't know if I compare it necessarily to like Bringing a Baby or any of those kind of screwball comedies But right. uh, as far as that. I, I think it's one of the best written comedies I've ever run into and mm-hmm. just love the movie. Uh, but uh, what happened was when it was released. You still had E.T. an Officer and a Gentleman out. That just got buried under those two uh, and never really got the, the press I think it should have got.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, for the listeners, my favorite year, as Bill just mentioned, came out in 1982, directed by Richard Benjamin, who would then go on to direct Money Pit and a little movie called Mermaids, which was a big film in like 1989, 1990 uh, written by Norman, I think Steinberg, Einstein, who, who Steinberg. was one of the co-writers for *Blazing Saddles*, also wrote *Johnny Dangerously*, kind of screwy. Which this movie isn't doesn't quite go Johnny Dangerously level <laughs> like, level like screwball, but you do get a sense of some of that kind of bup 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 bup, bup kind of like humor. Pretty
1: absurd, yeah, <laughs> exactly.
0: A lot of that absurd, uh, and of course, starring Mark Lynn Baker. This was his debut film. Uh, people of my generation would know him as Cousin Larry from P- *Perfect Strangers*. Uh, Joe Bologna, who was in woman in red chapter two, Transylvania, six, And a lot of the listeners would know him as Ben Stiller's father, not Ben Stiller. I'm sorry. Uh, Adam Sandler's father in big daddy, uh, Jessica Harper, who was a star of Suspiria Selma diamond. Again, people of my generation would know, know her as Selma from night court, but all of them kind of, uh, fall distant second through, you know, infinity behind the legendary Peter O'Toole, who is our star of this film. Yeah. And everybody should know who Peter O'Toole is.
1: By, by the way, one thing I, I, I love to mention about uh, uh, Richard Benjamin, of course, he was, this is his first movie directing. And, uh, you yeah, know, everybody knew him as an actor, but not as a director. He also, I one of my favorite movies from him as well is, is The Pentagon Wars. Uh, which is a satire on the military and, and government spending it. uh, it's,
0: it, that was, it when, was like late 90s um yeah
1: I have am trying to remember that might be 80s I, I gotta check that out it, it was on
0: HBO it was it was an was, HBO original movie I it remember was an HBO watching it movie, yeah. was Kelsey Grammer okay. in that no, the,
1: um but it was uh Carrie Yules played the main character but Kelsey Grammer plays the general in charge of the it's about the Abrams. Yeah, bank mm-hmm. or, or uh, you know the Abrams. uh What do they call it? transport? But Kelsey Grammer plays this kind of uh Captain Quig like uh, general. Yeah, <laughs> he was really yeah.
0: I totally forgot about the Pentagon Wars. That was really yeah, good. I, that, I, yeah, that I was a good HBO movie.
1: But yeah, it's interesting that Richard Benjamin opened with this movie and just really did it. In fact, when when the, his name came out, I was like, oh my god, I didn't realize he was the director of this.
0: I was watching uh, for those that haven't seen it. It's currently streaming on HBO Max in conjunction with uh, Turner Classic Movies. But before the movie starts, if you watch it on HBO Max, there's an interview with uh, with Richard Benjamin, and he tells a little bit of his story, how it came to be, and when they pitched him the idea of like we'd like you to direct it. He's he read the script, and he's like, holy shit. I know this world. Like, I was a page at NBC. Like, this this is something that I, I know very, very well. And um, as you said, I mean, the movie wasn't a, a booming success. I mean, it, it made its money. I mean, it had a, uh, yeah,
1: it did well on the box office. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Critically, did very
0: it well, been, you know, 96 on Rotten Tomatoes. It three times uh,
1: its own budget. So mm-hmm. yep. that's a success.
0: Uh, and a lot of that, obviously that money probably went to, uh, <laughs> Peter O'Toole, so cool. but, um, yeah, I mean, it was kind of buried and, you know, I, I, I kind of lo- like that it was because now it's just kind of like one of those gems that I, that I now have come across that I fall in love with. This'll be, you know, on that list of movies, like, Oh, definitely check that out in the eighties and the seventies, there was this movie called sleuth with Michael Caine and Lawrence Olivier. That, oh, okay, uh, that's yeah. like one of my favorites now that mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know of. So it's just one of those kind of like under the radar gems. Yeah. yeah. Now uh, one thing that I like to do is kind of, for those that haven't seen it give, give kind of like a little like, plot summary do you feel comfortable doing that or you want me to run through it uh, it,
1: it, it's funny because i i love the opening. it opens with nat king cole singing stardust and sort of sort of sets the scene right away and and then when it breaks into the film it breaks the fourth wall with mark lynn baker narrating the opening introducing himself and, and the 19th and really the opening is kind of both a commentary and a view on the 1950s of mm. the United States as well as the exposition of the story uh, so but the idea is that uh and, and the way I sort of uh sum it up is that the story takes place over a week before the airing of the and uh, Joseph Polonia plays King Kaiser on the King Kaiser Comedy Hour, which is based on Sid Caesar's Your Child Shows. Uh, And Alan Swan, who's the Peter O'Toole part, is the swashbuckling Errol Flynn-type movie actor who's the guest star. Well, when he shows up, he's so drunk he can't even stand up. Quite literally. So (laughs) Mark Lynn Baker, who idolizes him, is a big fan of his movies, says, no, you can't get rid of him. So Bologna says, okay, you're in charge. You make sure he makes rehearsal and, and all the rest of it. And what happens, and, and this is what I love about it, you know, and, and Marklin Baker plays this Benji uh, Stern, I think is the, the, the pen name, even though it's Steinberg, as his last name. Uh, but he's the young, younger writer on the show, and he's a big fan of him. But it really involves the relationship that the two of them develop. And to me, it's how each one teaches the other about life, uh, because I think Swan, even though an older man and well-established, learns probably more than Benji does during the yeah. course. So that's why I've always, you know, I've said it, it's, it's, it's kind of, well, I, I would almost equate it with chef if you know that one which in which all right it involves the food and the cooking but it's really about the father
0: and son right there's there's this quote and i don't know if it's i don't know who who wrote this quote originally but there is this famous quote that like Every adult needs a kid to teach. It's the way that adults learn. Mm-hmm. And this movie, when like you mentioned Chef, Chef's a prime example, this movie is the same thing. Even though it's not a father and son, there is very much a that type of a relationship. Yeah. And yeah. the way that they're able to bond is a way that Peter O'Toole, even though we, without spoiling it, um, we don't quite get that, that scene that Peter O'Toole will have with his own kid. But yeah. you you yeah. see that this relationship. Is going to help yeah, bridge that it gap. Uh, yeah, Sen of a yeah, Woman* is another yeah. movie that kind of has done that—that that kind mm-hmm. of mentor-mentee, but very like paternal uh, relationship. So, yeah, this this story of this uh, this young up-and-coming, you know, uh, comedic writer and the week that he met, meets his hero and how yeah. it doesn't yeah. just change his life, but it changes his hero's life as well. With yeah. and comedy ensues. I think the other thing I like about it is, especially for people who are younger, and, and
1: admittedly even I don't re- recall this period because I was like two, three years old when mm-hmm. this takes place. But uh, it shows you how live television was done. You get a feel for what the production was like, what the planning was like. You, you get a look at that, these live TV variety shows, which were, you know, a big thing back then, and really still are. But what's funny is I say in many ways the movie is a replication of those very variety shows because you can really... I, I say that many of its scenes can be viewed as individual vignettes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the Cameron Mitchell doing the boss Rojack routine, which is a takeoff on Jimmy Oppa. Yeah, uh, And I always say, you know, the, the two lawyers are dancing around the issue and Rojack and Kaiser, they just... Butt heads head on, each using whatever tool he has. Of course, Rojak with threats, and and uh, you know Kaiser with comedy, with, with mm-hmm. ridicule. Uh, you know the the scene when uh, Alan Swan brings Benji to the Star Club and picks up the girl uh, <laughs> from that guy. Um, and yeah, and like,
0: also not, you know, and I'm, I'm totally fine with kind of like going all over this, this conversation to be a little nonlinear anyway. But when they go to the when they go to that club, and and um, he does pick up the girl but before he does. He has a, he yeah, has he a dances dance with
1: Gloria Stewart, with Gloria with Stewart, Stewart right not been in the movies for like 30 years up to that point. I, I, Benjamin taps her to do that one. Today. Yeah, that, that was great.
0: And for the listeners that, you know, they're like Wait, Gloria Stewart, that name sounds familiar. That is old Rose from Titanic. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but she uh, was
1: like a, uh, you know, a very famous uh Who was Fred Astaire's partner? Ginger Rogers. She was like a Ginger Rogers Mm -hmm. back in the day. And so, yeah, that was a one. and, And by the way, that has one of my favorite lines is when the husband comes up and introduces himself and says, yeah, we're celebrating our 40th anniversary. And Alan Swan says, oh, you got more staying power than I have. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the other guy. There's a bunch of lines in here I just absolutely love. we
0: will definitely have to cover a little bit of the, the, the quotable dialogue because it is. It's very, very rich with uh, good, good bits. Obviously, I mean, the inception of this idea comes from um, – Mel Brooks who was one of the writers for yeah, Sid Caesar's Friday and,
1: and himself they both. And also uh by the way the, the it's interesting because the Herb character the guy who never talks was based on Neil Simon. Yeah. Who yeah. was, <laughs> was, was a, a apparently a very reticent writer even though he wrote brilliant stuff he never talked a whole lot. So they,
0: I found that really like fascinating because you know, uh, obviously, this movie, it referenced, I mean, not directly, but you get that sense of Mel Brooks, you get that sense of Woody Allen, and then this one character that doesn't say anything in, in the way of like Neil Simon. Yeah. And I I love Neil Simon's work. I've never really known anything about him as a, as a person. So kind of this farcical kind of approach that he, he doesn't say anything and people are just kind of like shocked by him or whatever yeah. uh, when he finally does say something um because i mean course, you know Neil simon wrote some so of the, the the funniest <laughs> plays that of the of the 20th century quite frankly yeah but
1: uh anyway But, yeah, I think the other scene I absolutely love is when Benji brings Swann to his house. Oh, in Brooklyn? (laughs) Yeah. And then talk about your culture class. Here's the stepfather who's Filipino. The mother, you know, and Benji who are Jewish. And then Alan Swann is this British, you know, actor. Yeah. It's such a great scene. Yeah. Um, And,
0: um Marklin Baker's or Benji, uh, Benji's mother would then go on to be the mother in my oh, yeah, factory yeah. wedding. Like yeah. the amount of cameos in, uh, that that this movie had, I, I don't even know if they were necessarily cameos. A lot of these people weren't necessarily known commodities at that time, but yeah. the yeah. amount of like the people that were kind of like glorified extras in this movie would go on to do so many different things. Yeah, and just even yeah. the shot in Brooklyn. Um, the the amount of faces I'm like oh i know that person from this movie or i yeah. know that person from this movie so it was like every every character jewish actor that you could think of had yeah, like a small little show. cameo uh <laughs> in brooklyn
1: yeah you know the guy who plays his uncle i can't remember the actor's name but he was wonderful too in that, mm-hmm. that scene uh, but, uh.
0: and um we had we had spoken a little uh, briefly just a little while ago that richard benjamin he had worked as a page page for the listeners for those who don't, don't don't know think of um um 30 rock and you have the page in that basically it's just this oh by the way yeah if you're if you're a fan of the tv show 30 rock i mean the that whole show is kind of what this movie's about it's behind a this variety studio, show studio, yeah. and it's all about the writers behind the, the room but the page program is a, kind of like this 12 month like fellowship that uh, NBC like studios will, uh, basically allow like pages to gain exposure. Um, they learned a little bit about the building, like 30 rock, et cetera. You'd have like, uh, famous ones that would go on. Like Regis was a, a page. Ted Koppel was a page. Uh, recently the actress Aubrey Plaza was, a was a page and she tells a really funny story. So I'm going to put in the show notes. Definitely take a look at that where page uh, where Audrey pa- Plaza t- shares her page uh, story with Conan O'Brien and just some of the pranks and things that pages would do that would just kind of lie about things that go on behind the scenes on a show that like, basically the host is like kind of acting as like tour guides. So they'll yeah, do like these tours the and, um, just kind of, uh, tell like far, like farcical stories, uh, about. Like, for example, Audrey Plaza or rather Conan O'Brien was sharing a story that one time he heard a page talking that the reason why there are all these stars on the wall was because Conan O'Brien loves astronomy. And Conan's like, wait, no, it's because late night, late night stars, stars yeah. at night. That's why they're star. But it's just something that pages would do. They try to find ways to entertain themselves during tours, which I think is kind of just yeah. hysterical and kind of on brand for everything that would go on with this movie. What else do I want to talk about? I mean, obviously, with this movie, there are a lot of like sub conversations we can have. We can talk about Peter O'Toole. He did get a nomination for best actor for this. He did.
1: Yeah, he didn't win it. And I've heard the argument that after Lawrence of Arabia, this might be his best role. Now, I think that could be argued because if you've seen Wyatt and Winter, the guy is great in that, too,
0: mm-hmm. but he does show some great comedic chops in this thing. Oh, he's I mean, brilliant. You know, my and... introduction to Peter O'Toole was in a comedy. Now, it wasn't a great comedy, but that was my introduction to him. Okay. And I I knew him first as the the castle owner in a little movie called High Spirits, uh, oh, which, okay, okay. which was not a great film, but yeah. I love it. Okay. It wasn't until I was much older that I finally saw... Lawrence of Arabia and some of his yeah. other like dramatic pieces. I'm like, oh yeah, he's he's a uh, quite an actor, that guy. Well wasn't he also was was he the one in Murphy's War, I believe. I I haven't seen Murphy's War. If that's the
1: one I'm thinking of. Um where he's a British soldier who's basically marooned on this island mm. and, uh during World War II. But you know, here again, Lion and Winter, I, I yep. think mm-hmm. it was such a phenomenal show. I mean um and then the stunt man, of course, where he yep. played that overbearing director. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, to switch gears a little bit. I've got a question because this movie whole this at at its core, this movie is about somebody meeting meeting their hero and mm-hmm. what that experience is. And this is that like very, very um, what's the word? Um optimistic or like pleasing self or the most satisfying uh, introduction that you can ever have with, with your hero and how, it, I mean, it couldn't have gone better, quite frankly. And, and also
1: the closing as well. I think the closing was very well done. Too. Oh yeah. The close is fantastic. You, yeah. You, you know, you have the shots of him up on the screens and he's talking about him. And I, I think, yeah, I, I, now a friend of mine does not care for the scene in the elevators, or at the elevators, when when O'Toole goes through the you know where the Swan character goes through the panic and all that stuff, he thinks that's a little bit saccharine. Uh, well, yeah, but that was sort of the point of the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you
0: know. Although there is a great line where he he's like uh, he's like. Um... Uh, he's like, what is it? I'm, well, I'm a movie says, star, I'm, I'm, I'm not an actor. I'm a movie
1: star, not an actor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah which is a great one. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a great one. I, I think some of my favorite lines, of, well, I love the one, what is it, in my business, you never cut funny, which I love uh, when Joseph Polonia is confronting uh, the boss Rojack character. Mm-hmm. He goes, yeah, we're going to keep doing the bit because it's funny. In my business, you never cut funny. Uh, never cut funny yeah, i'm not an actor i think also uh and you talked about Selma Diamond in there that she only shows up like three times in the movie, but she
0: steals the screen. every it's Selma time. Diamond, she's gonna steal. It. She's got that that great that uh, great voice. Wonderful.
1: And I think my favorite part with her is when Swan walks in the ladies' room. And she, you know, this is for ladies only. And he unzips his fly and says, "Well, so is this." But every once in a while, I run a little water through it, <laughs> <laughs> and it's an old joke, but it works so well.
0: It works because Peter O'Toole delivers yeah, it, right? That's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, I I think it would it it would it would probably be more challenging for uh another actor to do it. But uh, what was I gonna say? There's this other great, great line. Um well, actually it, it was I guess it's a different kind of erection, but he's like when he walks in and sighs, like he's oh, plastered. Yeah, yeah. And then some he's like the so are some of your uh, Europe's Europe. finest erections. You know, the
1: guy says he's plastered, or some of some, some of the finest erections <laughs>
0: <laughs> Um God, there there, there's just so many great lines. Oh, yeah, I'm just no, trying to think a, the oh, well, yeah,
1: well. and, and remember the scene too when, when he brings them to dinner and his aunt walks in the wedding dress and everybody just looks like, what the hell is this? You like it. I only wore it once. <laughs> 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 so that yeah, that Jewish humor, which, you know, I'm from New York, so I I really, you know, just love that uh that type of really self-deprecating humor that they they
0: pull off so well um yeah there there's a lot of like good bits like that and then this movie gave me uh just what i love is this movie gave me another joke to add to my 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 duck arsenal i don't know why duck jokes make me laugh so much (laughs) Oh, oh god <laughs> yeah, where,
1: she, where she screws the Or <laughs> the girlfriend case, and yeah, where she
0: completely And then she, well, she butchers the girlfriend. joke. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say because, the joke on here. I want people to watch the movie so they can hear the yeah, duck joke, yeah, but no, that's it's,
1: it's, well it's kinda of, you know what that reminded me of too was I don't know if you ever saw Interiors by Woody Allen. Uh, it went completely opposite of Annie Hall. It was very oh god, it was depressing. There's only one joke in the whole movie and it bombs. Oh, really? <laughs> it's, it's a, yeah, where the uh, God who is a G. Marshall is dating this woman and his daughters are there and they don't like her at all. And the woman tries to tell a joke and everybody just looks at her with this contempt. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what's sort of like that scene. Yeah, where she tells the joke and just can't get it right. <laughs>
0: um, I'm trying to think, what's another? There's a, another. Um... The the other joke that I laughed was uh, he's kind of like all, he's just waking up and he asks the girl, like, what time is it? And she's like, I don't know. Don't you have a oh, watch? Yeah, he's like, yeah, I don't trust I'm not allowed watch. to wear. And again, this is, you have to imagine Peter Tools delivery and his like silky voice that he has, but he's like, I don't know. Uh, I'm not allowed to wear a watch. watch. And she's like Why not? I don't, <laughs> I don't trust, trust them. She's like, why? <laughs> One hand is shorter than the other. And again, just the way that he delivers it is just perfection. And
1: actually in that scene, the, Best part of that scene to me is him waking up with the teddy bear. Just the look on his face when he realizes, "Where am I?" <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> um, which seems very on brand for for Peter O'Toole, who uh, definitely was not. I mean, this this oh, yeah. this role as this uh, this actor, kind of a little bit past his prime, who was notorious for drinking and not showing up or knowing his lines. Um, it kind of reminds me of. I don't know if you've ever watched any Peter O'Toole interviews, but the man was incredible uh, at just telling a really good story. Oh like he, yeah, yeah. the 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 funniest Peter O'Toole story I've ever heard was when he was on David Letterman, and David Letterman asked him about one time he went out with Peter Finch, who was like one of his good friends, and he oh, he okay. call him Finchy. That was uh, Peter Finch's nickname, yeah. and. They went out drinking one night in dublin Dan
1: finch was not a light drinker either no
0: no uh and uh peter O'Toole and uh finch went out to like this this pub in dublin and it was like two o'clock three o'clock four in the morning and the owner's like you gotta go out you gotta leave and they're like no 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 we're, we're not done and he's like no you have to leave so they bought the bar and <laughs> the next day they woke up like what do we do they went back and the the owner's like all right now you guys be a good boy, uh, and they kind of laughed it off. A year later, they found out that that pub owner had died. So mm-hmm. they went they went to his funeral, and so they were saying their goodbyes, and they were getting a little like teary eyed. And this woman comes over, taps him on the shoulder, and they were at the wrong tombstone. Um, oh. <laughs> and again, just to hear Peter O'Toole share this story yeah. is again, yeah, it's just it's perfection. I'll put That's that cool. in the show notes too, just so people can see that. Because this movie, why I love this is because of Peter O'Toole and the man, the man enjoyed life and much like Alan Swan seemed yeah. to just very much enjoy life. And there's not a lot under the sub- uh like under the surface. I mean, this movie is pretty surface level, but mm-hmm. there are still some good beats as far as. The relationship between yeah yeah, though it's not. I
1: used it actually in my classes for that very reason. I said, mm-hmm. look, you know, who taught whom the most? Yeah, and it's good and it works. Um, and also, th- just as a view of look, this is what the 1950s. It's fairly accurate in depicting the 50s. Mm-hmm. You know, what little of it I remember, I was like, oh, that's now, pretty much it.
0: now, Bill, did you have like uh like favorite? Now, obviously, as a writer, do you have like favorite comedic writers growing up or do you still have favorite favorite oh, comedic well, writers?
1: I, I love now when it comes to comic writing or humorous writing, uh, Tom Robbins, who not Tim Robbins, the writer, right no, actor Tom Robbins, who wrote uh, Even Cowgirls Get the Blues. And, mm. uh, uh, oh, he's written, uh, in fact, it's funny. He wrote a book called um, Another Roadside Attraction. And when Dan Brown's uh, Da Vinci Code came out, I said, "Well, this has already been done by Tom Robbins, but it was kind of like a Da Vinci Code on acid." Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's uh, but it's got you know renegade priests who are or uh, mercenary priests, you know, the body of Jesus. Uh, he's he's such a wonderful writer. I, I love Tom Robbins. So yeah. Like I'm not. Um, I'm not super well um, and, and I always loved it. I, I read an interview with him one time, and, and he said something about he was he was he from New York, and, and he was at one of the little markets there, and he ran into Andy Warhol and asked him, well, you know, I, I don't know how to buy cantaloupes. What's the, you got any advice? He says, yeah, look for the ones that are smiling. <laughs> Um, yeah so uh, of the comic i don't tend to read a lot of humorous stuff now of course uh neil gaiman is sort of the standard of uh, humorous writing too especially now but uh yeah those are probably the two names i I come up with okay
0: okay um and again this movie is also kind of like about meeting your hero and i'm just kind of curious who was your alan swan growing up
1: oh my god well i you know I have to say, and it's something I've written up and I'm still trying to get published. I was named after a guy named William Barker Cushing, as you know, a, a distant cousin, uh, who was a Civil War naval hero. I mean, hmm. quite literally. And whenever they say, you know, who would you like to meet if you could sit and talk with somebody, this guy, because his story is so interesting. I mean, he's one of the most innovative. Well, he, a lot of people consider him the first commander. That's, you know, uh, you know like the first seal. Uh, because he, he, well, first of all, he, he got kicked out of Annapolis for discipline problems, uh, not for academics or anything else. He was just a wild seed. And uh, one of my favorite stories about him, and I've never found this in a book, but I heard it growing up, was that uh, he was going out with some girl and i guess this was while he was at annapolis uh and he decides to go see her and so he rides his horse to uh to her house and rides it right into the house and i'm thinking (laughs) well that must have pleased her old man to know and you know here's this guy standing in his living room on a horse (laughs) just so he was he's a very interesting character so that's it's interesting because you know you think as a writer I admire somebody like you know somebody else and stuff, but no, I would love to meet this guy and just talk to him for a while because the stuff he pulled, and even as a, as a naval officer he 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 would because the navy during the Civil War was basically doing blockade, you know, of any supplies getting into the South or out of the South, and blockade duty is very boring (laughs) Mm -hmm. and this guy just was not suited for that so he would gather a bunch of guys and go out and do something on his own and of course when his superiors found out what he'd done they wanted to get him in trouble but then there would be these newspaper stories about look at this brave hero and what (laughs) um so yeah he's an interesting character and like I say I have written a story about him um you know just going into some of the stuff well just to give you I think this is a great example is after the Civil War he was part of a Pacific fleet uh, you know uh, fleet that went to Asia Mm -hmm. and they were in China and he and another guy from the ship decided to break into the Forbidden City now this is when the Forbidden City was very literally forbidden and when the guards find them they're, the guards, the Chinese guards, were more worried about getting caught. You know, derelict of duty, and so they were shuffling. Me, they go, like, "Get out of here, man! You're gonna get us in trouble." <laughs> <laughs> so you know, he didn't. He didn't uh, mellow with age, apparently. Yeah, uh, yeah. No. He, I would say he's he's the guy I would love to be Okay, cool. And as far as writing, I mean, I've I've really had a chance to meet some really interesting people. Over the years, when I was in school, especially, uh, in fact, uh, one of my bragging points is I got to have a, a, a scotch and water with uh, Joseph Heller one time, so that was fun. And Ooh, that's twenty-two. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, well, and that was interesting because he—he uh, was—I par- was part of the committee that brought him to my university for guest speaking. And like I say, I was older when I went back to school. And and so we're at the reception and typical university wine and cheese routine. And he comes up to me because the, the advisor pointed me out. He says, look, you need anything? Go see this guy because he knows he outs." He comes to me. He goes, any place I can get a real drink here. <laughs> <laughs> I just went, wait right here. I ran across the street, got a bottle of shivers, came back with it. And I said, but. You got to sit with me and have one of them because I want to be able to say (laughs) that I had a drink with you.
0: Oh, yeah, that's awesome. So, now, Bill, while I've got you for these final few moments, I was just wondering if I could just ask you just a couple simple questions. Obviously, you selected this film. So, my, I guess the question I want to know is when was the first, do you remember the first time you saw this?
1: Yeah, I was was in Baltimore. I I saw it when it opened.
0: Oh, did you? Uh, Okay.
1: Yeah. And I think the reason I did was because O'Toole was in it. I don't remember. Because I remember um so yeah, I was I, I went with I was dating a woman while I was up there working. I was just there for the year or so, about a year and a half. Uh so I saw it when it first came out. But uh yeah, I, I just went to see it because I love going to movies. It was a new one. I'd already seen E.T., I'd seen Officer and a Gentleman, which I think is overrated, but uh, that's, uh <laughs> But uh, but yeah, I, I saw it probably the first week or so it opened. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, I was right there. I, my in fact, my wife now and I, I mean, she and I are both big movie nuts. Unfortunately, that has been, ser- that diet has been seriously curtailed because of our son. We have a very disabled son. So getting away, you know, it's just not that easy anymore. But when we first got married, Hell, we go three times a week. Sometimes.
0: What? Um, I mean, this, there's so many. We we've talked. We we've, we've covered some lines in the movie, but are there any other favorite lines that we that we may have oh, overlooked? That because uh, again, this movie is just rich with really I think great dialogue. Pretty much gotten
1: most of them um, that I really like. I did love. Um, I thought it was interesting that the line, "What took you so long?" which is so trite generally mm-hmm. fit in perfectly where that came up i was like normally i would have groaned at that but i was like yeah that's the perfect line for that uh for that scenario um i don't know i i did love what he you know uh and th- these are minor lines really but uh when they're getting ready to go to the dinner, and Swan asked Benji, Well, what is this? Brooklyn is another world. Uh, and because uh, my dad was from Brooklyn originally. And by the way, I, I am convinced that life did not begin in the savannas of Africa. I'm convinced they began in Brooklyn because I don't care where you go, you'll meet so everybody you meet will have a cousin or somebody in Brooklyn.
0: Yeah, uh, for sure.
1: Which, of course, leads into another movie, The Quaxer Fortune Has a Cousin in Brooklyn. I'm
0: sorry, you cut out. I couldn't, I didn't hear you. Uh,
1: There's an old, in fact, this might be among the 1970s movies, which is why I think it's such a great decade, but there's a movie with uh, Gene Wilder and Margot Kidder called Cousin, uh, Quaxer Fortune
0: Has a Cousin in Brooklyn. Yeah, Richard, I'm not, I'm sorry, Uh, Gene Wilder movies are just just gold. I, I haven't seen that one.
1: But yeah, anytime you bring up New York, oh yeah, I got a cousin. I got an uncle from Brooklyn. <laughs> it's like all <laughs> life is in Brooklyn. Uh,
0: all right. Well, I know we're running out of time, but I want to put you on the hot seat. I got to give you, okay. I got to give you a trivia quiz. Are you yeah, ready? All right. Here we go. So we know this movie takes place in the 50s, but it is mentioned at the outset. What year does this movie take place? I think it's 53. Oh, so close.
1: 1954. 54. okay. okay. 1954. I remember the line about, in those days, a Plymouth, lo- or what does an Olds look like? An Olds didn't look like a Plymouth, it looked like a Chevy. That like was Plymouth. a really
0: great line. That was yeah. a really great, like, opening line. I, I That might have yeah. been, like, one of my, like, mo- my favorite, like, subtle lines in the movie is, like, yeah. how one car looks like another, but the other one, you know, yeah, but- it, it's really, really good. Which... Uh, is uh kind of reminds me of one of my favorite films from the 90s, My Cousin Vinny, where they're talking oh. about uh the Pontiac Tempest and the, the Buick Skylark.
1: Yeah. yeah, when he puts her on its oh, my God.
0: <laughs> all right, Bill. That's your second question, movie. and
1: you know how many lawyers have said that is pretty accurate.
0: <laughs> it, it, you know, we we covered that this movie, uh, uh, we covered My Cousin Vinny on this podcast, and that that film is used by so many attorneys yeah, they yeah. they reference it. it is probably the most realistic actual yeah, like courtroom yeah. film yeah. <laughs> oh, and the amount of research that that the screenwriter did to make that like uh and it's all based on this guy that that failed the bar yeah, like 15 million yeah. million times you know yeah. and he he went on this road trip and met this other attorney down in like Louisiana. And he shared the story. So, I mean, there's a lot of like the movie just rich with a really great, uh, really great yeah, uh, detail. Yeah. One of my all time favorite, favorite yeah, comedies. It a wonderful movie. It's perfect. It's, it's a damn near perfect film. Now, speaking of damn near perfect, we're going to talk about my man, Peter O'Toole one more time. So he okay. was nominated for an Oscar for this for best actor. Yeah. My question is how many Oscars did Peter O'Toole win?
1: I think just, well, two, I guess. He got an honorary, I believe. But, uh, you yeah, know, then, of course, Lawrence of Arabia was the
0: still... Funny that you say that. He did not get an Oscar for Lawrence oh, of Arabia. The only oh, Oscar did, the, o- the only Oscar he ever received was an honorary Oscar. The honorary, that's it. Yeah, he was nominated ones. for eight. He was nominated eight different times. Yeah. Never won. Never like, watched. he... And Alfred Hitchcock are like the the two famous like oh, right. Bohemoths in Hollywood history yeah. who have never won an Oscar, but they were both awarded a Lifetime Achievement, achievement Award.
1: Yeah. Um, it's kind of like we're sorry. Yeah, exactly. We we <laughs> well, kind of you know, messed it's up. It's funny when you mention that. I, I have to laugh because when The Departed won Best Picture. A lot of people. Went, well, that's they. They only gave it to Scorsese because they didn't give it to him before. For the movies. sympathy vote. I said, "Well, that may be true, but to my mind, it was still the better movie of that year, anyway."
0: If there, <laughs> I, I, I was, have to go I back and look at. It. I mean, I remember loving The Departed. Yeah, um,
1: but there was really nothing else out there that, to me, I was like, maybe it was a sympathy vote, but it was certainly. The best movie I remember that year.
0: Yeah, so, it's just when and the thing is, I love. Best. I love The Departed. I mean, I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Oh, I, I love it too. But I mean, to me, Goodfellows. Yeah, I'm like, but and I can't even. remember. I'll have to go back and see what Goodfellows lost to. But um, it
1: lost to Dances with Wolves. Oh, which, oh Dances oh, with Wolves.
0: Oh god,
1: Dances with Wolves was a ripoff of every John Ford Western ever yeah. made, yeah. and. The Buffalo Stampede was right out of the Ben-Hur Chariot race. And, you mm-hmm. know, it was like, there's nothing original going on. And then I see Goodfellas, and he's doing stuff with a camera I'd never seen before. I was like, this is amazing. And then Dancing with the Wolves. Although I have felt vindicated, because if you look at lists now, they list Dancing with the Wolves below
0: Good and I mean so in the end, it, it the, to- the history of cinema. You, I mean, the Oscars don't get it right more times than not. Oh, when you yeah, look at yeah, like the, the films yeah. that do win versus the ones that don't. Yeah. You know, like just some of the movies that have won have been kind of forgotten in time, and then those other movies that didn't. Like, for example, um I don't even. I, it doesn't even matter who won in '94. I'm sure it was a wonderful film, but. That might have been like the best year. No, there have been so many great years. But you look at the movies that were nominated for the for the Oscars in like '94, and like Shawshank Redemption, completely forgotten about. Uh, yeah. Pulp Fiction, completely forgotten about. I don't even know if it was actually. It might have been Forrest Gump that won it that year. Um, but that. Yeah, I don't remember. But yeah. there were so many good movies in '94. He,
1: I was in Puerto Rico, so I was somewhat isolated. <laughs>
0: Right. Um, But if you tell people like like Shawshank Redemption, that's probably a movie that won Best Picture. No, it did not. It did not. And that movie people, I mean, that movie, you can't go a weekend without that movie not being on television somewhere. And it's like the highest rated movie uh, on.
1: Was it 98 or 99? The best movie of the year, Titanic? I was like, L.A. Confidential came out that year. Come on.
0: That was a great <laughs> oh, film. I loved L.A. Yeah, Confidential.
1: I think L.A. Confidential should have been the best. In fact, it's ironic to me because the only Oscar L.A. Confidential got, I believe, was King Basinger. Mm. Yeah. Which not to say that she wasn't good, but I was like, well, wait a minute. The part she plays is a good-looking woman who comes from a small town and comes to Hollywood and makes it on her looks. Well, Kim Basinger is a good-looking woman from a small town who came to Hollywood and made it on her looks. So it's a stretch. Catch? It's a stretch.
0: <laughs> um, and then yeah, I, mean, then I, the I,
1: I like her, but I was like, uh, yeah, but you know, I think Kevin Spacey should have at least gotten
0: nominated for supporting right. that. Um, Well, I mean, I think yeah. maybe they they didn't give him that year because he had already won. I think, I think yeah four usual suspects
1: yeah probably yeah. um yeah.
0: but then you had the year where you had two of the greatest war movies that came out in one year and they both lost out to uh Shakespeare in love which is a oh, funny yeah. film but you can't tell me that it's better than you know the thin red Line or um yeah uh saving private Ryan you know yeah yeah,
1: yeah. although my fit, I I still say that this world war ii movie is not spoke. Well, I mean that's yeah. an entirely
0: yeah. different type of that's, yeah film, yeah. but that's that's fantastic, great yeah. film.
1: I <laughs> right. I had problems with Saving Private Ryan after that first half hour, um, but yeah, you know, if you ever want to, we can get into that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a
0: whole conversation yeah. for another time. Yeah, I have a difficult time just watching Saving Private Ryan because they make you feel every single death in that film to the point mm-hmm. where it's almost it's visceral, very yeah. visceral, and yeah. it, it's just it, it's. It, it, it's a beautifully shot film but yeah it's just it's just um it doesn't have a high like rewatch factor it's like i i don't want well, to.
1: the problem is that the the effects in the cinematography overshadowed any story and that's mm.
0: ultimately you need a story yeah um, yeah for real for real completely agree okay so he didn't win the oscar that year do you know who did win the oscar here you're i'll give you multiple choice oh, for the that year, okay. yep. So you had Dustin Hoffman for Tootsie, Jack Lemon for Missing, Ben Kingsley for Gandhi, or Paul Newman for oh, The Verdict. Kingsley ben Kingsley King is, Robert, is correct, right. it was Ben yeah. Kingsley for Gandhi. All right, um, oh, who was originally offered the role that Peter O'Toole would end up playing? Who was the first oh, actor line. that they reached that, out to? I have
1: no idea, <laughs> Albert you Finney. Know. It was Albert oh, really? Finney. Albert Finney that. Yep.
0: Been good too, I think. Yeah, Yeah. so he had, I guess he had just finished doing a movie out in like Sausalito and uh, Richard Benjamin flew out there. They had a nice dinner or rather yeah. like a nice lunch or something. And he finally asked Albert, hey, you know, do you want this role? And he's like, listen, I've been out here for X amount of time. I need to go back yeah, to London. <laughs> I need to, you know, I need to do some theater stuff. But you need to, you need to reach out to Peter, see if Peter would do it. And Richard spoke with the studio and they're like, yeah, if you can get Peter O'Toole, we've got a movie. And Peter O'Toole said, yeah, let's do it. And uh, the rest is history. He would go on to be nominated for an Oscar. And, um, the rest is history. Well, not history because he didn't get it. But but anyway, that was the actor originally. So for the okay. listeners, Albert Finney, if you've been living on a different planet, that was Daddy Warbucks and uh, uh, Annie and a yeah. myriad of other other films out there. Um, You already got the Gloria Stewart question, right? Oh, so yeah, my final question is just because we had mentioned Mel Brooks and Woody Allen and Neil Simon. So I'm just going to say of those three. Who's your guy of those three?
1: Um, I would probably go with Woody Allen simply because of the range Mm. that he covers. He's able to, I mean, you know, I, I mean, you know, who do you pick that, you know, that's almost like, well, who do you go for, uh, you know, do you want Babe Ruth or do you want Joe
0: DiMaggio?
1: <laughs> yeah, Joe DiMaggio or, you know, Ted Williams. Uh, like, uh, uh, but yeah, I I I've always appreciated the range that, that Woody Allen can cover in his movies. I mean, like I say, you look at Annie Hall comes out, which is completely and then he goes to interiors, which is like you know, let's slash our wrists after this. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he does Manhattan, and you know, I think right, all three of those yeah. came out around the same time. And Manhattan, I I think is probably my favorite up until he did Paris at Midnight. I thought which was a really
0: wonderful film at this. Time. Yeah, um, enjoyed Annie Hall, enjoyed Manhattan. I, that might be. And then I would see, then I'd see his, his nineties films. Um, yeah.
1: Well, I say Paris at midnight was, that came out in the nineties, I believe. I didn't see that one. I don't oh, I know. Okay. Well, that's that's a very good movie. Yeah. Um, Manhattan. I, I always loved it because I, I went to see it when it first came out. <clears throat> and I remember afterwards, the woman I was going out with at the time, we went out to get something to eat. <laughs> we were talking about it and I mentioned, I said, the beauty of it was it was all in black and white. And she said, no, it wasn't. I said, oh, yes, it was. She goes, no, I saw colors. I said, yes, you put them in. <laughs> the movie is so well done. You supplied the color. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I thought that that's probably my favorite of Woody Allen stuff. But, you know, you I mean, you know, even his sleeper and bananas and uh, that whole uh Period. And then later on, you know, some of the other stuff he did. Uh, yeah, I, I, but Mel Brooks, I mean, you know, when you look at him, I, I'm sorry, I still think Young Frankenstein is
0: the best. Uh, uh, one, you know, I, I put in the, the top five funniest comedies yeah, of all time. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, if there's yeah. no other reason but the scene with Gene Hackman is the blind. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Is classic it's Nothing like there's time. nothing about that movie that doesn't make me laugh. I yeah. I'm on my face like a smiles on my face from like the opening credits. I again, yeah. Young yeah. Frankenstein. It's in my top five favorite comedies. So yeah. like when I when I think of this list, like my introduction was Neil Simon. You know, I I used well, to Neil read Simon a lot of stage plays, so theatrical. like I was familiar with yeah. his work before anything else. I don't think you, there's really a wrong answer of the three of yeah. the three because. You know, like Brighton Beach memoirs and Biloxi Blues. Yeah. You know, Probably just
1: goodbye, girl, and uh,
0: goodbye, girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh,
1: um. And of course, he did the Odd Couple.
0: So Yeah. And yeah, yeah. oh my God, I can't believe like I forgot the Odd Couple. Yeah, and the Odd Couple. So all three brilliant I writers. Think the
1: Odd Couple was is, is one of the funniest.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean. And of course, from I'm from Walter Matthau, Jack Lemon. I mean, it's perfection. Just they're just them working together is just oh, yeah, one of yeah, the Lennon, greatest uh, on-screen uh, partnerships of all time. Yeah, them, yeah. them odd couple, and then basically, even though it wasn't odd couple, it was still the odd couple, which is called Grumpy Old Men and uh, <laughs> Grumpy Old <laughs> yeah, Men. But it's still yeah, the odd yeah. couple. <laughs> cool. Well, Bill, I had a great time chatting with you. I know we've had another, we've had a conversation about bringing you back to talk like all things seventies. So I would love that. Uh, this okay. has just been a teaser episode to yeah. like, for that, I, like that a grand I opus.
1: Would the seventies, talking about seventies movies, kind of like talking about this movie is like, I think it gets overlooked. And to me, I hated the music of the seventies uh, mostly because disco was around. I just didn't like disco. Uh, thank God for jazz. Uh, but uh, but the movies of the seventies were just. And just as a teaser, think of one of the more popular. What was the most popular musical of the seventies? The Rocky Please. Horror Picture oh, Show. <laughs> I was like, how can you go wrong?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah well this is gonna be fun so this is uh we'll, we'll we'll circle back in the next few months and we're gonna so start working on a list of movies that you want to we'll, we'll chat about and I've, I've got ai I a actually movie.
1: was looking over some stuff and I was like well what do you cut
0: I know I know it's almost impossible yeah um right. you just said what's yeah, like one of the let best me know if, you, if you got some time we'll we'll sit
1: down and talk about the 70s basically. sounds good 70s. all right
0: well Bill thank you again
1: Oh, well, thanks for having me and look forward to hearing this.
0: Once again, thank you so much to Bill for coming out the show and introducing me to my favorite year. As I said at the outset, I had never seen it. It's a fun ride. And at the time of publishing, it is currently available for streaming on HBO Max. So certainly take a look at that. That's all we've got for you this week. I will return next week with a, with another episode. And um, before we get to it, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends, leave a review, not necessarily all in that order, but maybe in that order, I don't know. But um, again, reviews, really, really helpful. Take a look at the show notes because I'll have some information about the film, a little information about Bill, information about me and the website, com. I need to do more blogs, but there's like a blog feature on there. So I've got a couple on there, but it's an opportunity for you to go through like the back catalog you can leave like a voicemail. So if you hear anything on one of the shows and you'd like to talk or maybe you'd like to make a recommendation of a movie that that should, we should cover on here, just take a look at the website, com. I'll have the link in the show notes, but that's it. That's all I got for you. Hopefully you've had a good time listening to this. And we will see you next week with a with an all new episode of Stamp Cinema.